Thank you, Jesus. Celebrating his resurrection. Amen. Amen. The resurrection of our King Jesus, a risen Savior, a champion that's coming soon. Hallelujah. God is faithful. Resurrection. That's what we're here to celebrate today. It's something we should probably celebrate every day of our lives, right? The thing about this word resurrection. You know, uh, as, as, I, as I thought about this word over the last couple of weeks and just the word resurrection, and, and of course we know that word means to bring back to life. Something that was dead to bring it back to life. But there's a word that kept going off on the inside of my heart as I kept thinking about it and preparing for the Sunday. And there was this one word that I found as a definition of resurrection, and it's the word awaken. Awaken. Come on. Say that with me, Awaken. You know, when Jesus went to Lazarus, and actually he hadn't gone there yet, and he heard about Lazarus and how he had died, and he was talking to his disciples, and they asked him how they, 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 had come, they haven't left yet, and he goes, well, he's sleeping, and I will go and I will awake him. But the disciples still didn't understand it, and, and he says, well, if he's sleeping, then he'll be okay. And he goes, no, you're not getting the point. It's, he's, 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 he's passed. He's, he's died. But I will go, and he goes on and says, I am the resurrection, and I am the life. Come on. The word resurrection is awaken. Awaken. Awaken means to gather your faculties or gather your senses and rise from the ruin, the distress, the disease, the difficulty, the despair. That's what it means. Awaken means to to gather your faculties and rise out of your ruin. You know, this resurrection, it, it it is a celebration of hope. And so this morning, I'm talking about awaken to hope. Hope is a, about having a confident expectation and knowing something good is going to happen in your life. Yes, amen. See, a lot of times we don't understand that, 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 that God wants to do something good in your life. That's right. Come on. You know, and we have to rise out of wherever we might be, whatever we've been through, whatever we've gone through, our failures, our mistakes, our disappointments, the way other people have treated us, and rise out of those things and have an ex- a confident expectation that something good is going to happen. That's right. Amen. You know, I was thinking about the disciples and, and, and what must they have thought when Jesus was crucified? You know, we read it as just a basic story, but here, this was life to them. This is someone that they had followed around for such a long period of time and were walking through life with. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this one that they had trusted in, the one they thought was going to be a king, the one they thought was going to be to redeem them and take them out of Romans tyranny. But yet, he's gone. What kind of hopelessness do you think might have just crept into their hearts and to their minds? And if we're not careful as we go through life, we, experience, we can experience that same hopelessness. That same darkness, so to speak, trying to overshadow our lives, over our families, over our futures. Of, I don't know how I'm going to make it. God, yeah, God wants to do something good in my life. I haven't seen it yet. I've messed up too many times. I failed one too many times. And, and we can go this long list of things about, about why and why not. But realizing that he has died for us. And he rose again for us. Awake to hope. Awaken to hope. You see, the enemy, the God of this world, Corinthians talks about. And it makes a statement. It says, if our gospel is hid... It's hid to those that are lost. And then it says, then it talks about who are those that are lost. He says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that don't believe. 
Lest, I could say this, so that they don't see the light of the gospel, the glorious light of the gospel that, is, that would shine into us through Jesus Christ. So if our gospel is hid, what's the, what's the gospel? The gospel is good news. The gospel is a message of hope. A gospel, the gospel is, hey, you can, your life can be better. Your life can be changed. You can go to another level in your life that, yeah, you don't have to go through this the rest of your life. There's something better on the the other side of this. That's the gospel. And here it says, if the gospel is hid, meaning if you, if you don't have an idea of this hope, you don't have an idea of this message, then it's hid to those that are who the God of this world has blinded their minds. So they don't see what the light. The light of the gospel. Uh, Annette and I, we, you all sent us on a cruise for Pastor's Appreciation last year, and which we're so thankful for that. And, and one of the places we went, we, we went through these caverns. It was called the Secret River. And so, so we had to put these hard hats on, and, and we were walking through this. You had to go about 45, 50 feet down under the ground, and about a mile and a half under the ground in these caverns. And, and so we, we were going through these caverns. All of a sudden, we got to this one place, and our guide, there was about eight of us and a guide, and she said, now turn your light off. It was dark. I, I, it, it was dark, dark. It, it's, it was darker than dark. <laughs> it was dark. It, it was dark. It was really dark. I mean, I, I can't tell you how dark this was. It was... It was darker than dark. It was, you know, and, and so we're down there and you know what, but, but while I'm down there, I wasn't worried. It, I wasn't bothered by it. Why? Because I knew I had a light. I knew I had a light up here and I know our, her guide had a, had a light on her hat and she had a flashlight because I would not want to be down there all by myself. Why? Because that's, that's, but see in life, it can be the same way where we're going through life and there's this darkness, so to speak surrounding us. How am I going to get out of this? I can't see how to get out of this, but see, you know what? I, we had hope. Why? Because we knew that we, we could change the darkness at any moment with a, with a, just a, just the, the flick of a switch. But as I was thinking about the disciples, what darkness, what heaviness, Vic, do you think was on them? The hope, the thing they trusted in, the thing they're like, this is the one. This is the, this is the man. This, this man, he, he's it. And we have nothing else to fear. Nothing else. Everything is good now because we have him. But all of a sudden, he's gone. He's gone. What were they saying to each other? What were they talking about? What were their stories how many people did they brag on? Maybe, hey, I'm, I'm with Jesus. I'm with Jesus. Jesus and I, were tight. You know, and he said he's going to tear this temple down. In three days, he's going to rise it up, see? Uh-huh. And I got his back. Uh-huh. We, we're good. But then it's like, um, Jesus, where are you? Because <laughs> Jesus is gone. If you have your Bibles, turn go to Luke chapter 24. And this is, I love this story because it shows us, I believe, it shows us human nature. And it shows us humanity. And it gives us insight into the very attitude, into the very heart of the disciples. And, and in turn, we can really see ourselves. Because... That we are natural. We do have emotions. We do have 
things that we walk through as we're going through this life. But in Luke chapter 24, verse 13, it says, And behold, that day there were two of the disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that occurred. And while they were conversing and discussing together, Jesus himself caught up with them and was already accompanying them. Now listen, but their eyes held so they did not recognize him. Now, what did I say just a minute ago? The God of this world blinds the minds of them that don't believe. Here, the one they had walked with, the one they had talked with, the one that they had done life with, all of a sudden, this one, they're like, they don't even know who he is. Because they were too worried about looking at their problem. They were too worried about looking at their disappointment. They were too busy looking at in, in fear of how can this be? How, he's gone. What's going on here? Verse 16, but their eyes were held and they did not recognize him. And he said to them, what is this discussion that you're exchanging, throwing back and forth between yourselves as you walk alone? And they stood still looking sad and downcast. So now we see exactly how these two disciples felt. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, do you alone dwell as strangers in Jerusalem and not know the things that occurred there these last days? And he said to them, what kind of things? And they said to him about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in work and word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers gave him up to be sentenced to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who redeemed and set Israel free. They were sad and downcast. Why? Because here, their hope was destroyed. They were limited in their life because their hope was destroyed. And I declare the biggest thing that you'll face in your life is allowing when the enemy tries to destroy your hope. Because your hope is your expectation for something good. And here the disciples were asleep, so to speak, as it pertained to hope. They were like, how can this be? We thought, we thought he was going to be the one. We thought this was going to happen. We thought that was going to happen. And, and think about this. The man talking named Cleopas, this was actually Jesus' uncle. Think about that. He actually ended up becoming the pastor and the one that ran the church of Jerusalem after James died. And here, they, they mention his name because everyone in the earlier times would have known who this guy was. Because of his relationship and the things that he did. And so here, this one, man, even a relative of Jesus. You can go to John chapter 19 and you can see he's, he's mentioned there and it talks about Mary's sister, Joanna. And so you have to understand that here, this was a hopelessness that had set in in their lives. Because things weren't turning out the way they thought they would turn out. Verse 22, and says, moreover, some women of our company astounded us and drove us out of their senses. Many, pretty much they're saying they were crazy. <laughs> These women do not know what they're talking about. These ladies are crazy. Verse 23, but they did not find his body. And they returned saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that it was he that was alive. So some of those who were with us went to the tomb. They found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, sluggish in mind and slow of heart to believe 
everything the prophets have spoken. Then you believe everything, rely on everything that the prophets had spoken. What did Jesus say? You're foolish and you're slow to believe. What did did it say? Satan blinds the minds of them that believe not. You see, they were blinded because of the only thing they could see was the problem. And a lot of times in life, it can be the same thing. We get blinded because the only thing we can see is our problem, our addiction, our mistakes, our failures. And we don't see his resurrection. It goes in verse 27. It says, then beginning with Moses and throughout all the prophets, he went on explaining and interpreting to them all the scriptures and all the things concerning himself. So here Jesus is talking to the disciple, these two disciples walking along. Now think about this. A seven mile walk, depending on how fast you're going, is either an hour and 45 minutes or two hours. And we know that Jesus talked to them until they got close to where where they were going. So Jesus talked for them for over two hours, just expounding on the scriptures about, about himself. About himself. And maybe he started in, in Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. But God said, light be. Maybe, maybe Jesus started there when he said, and the earth was without form and void. That means chaotic. It means hopeless. It means, it means having no, no distinct purpose. But God said, light be. See, the answer to any darkness, the answer to any hopelessness is always light. Maybe he talked in Genesis chapter three, verses 14 and 15, after Adam and Eve missed the mark. And here they were clothed with light. They said they were clothed with the glory of God. They looked like God. They were made in his image. But yet when they messed up and missed it, it said they lost it. And what did God do initially, immediately right after he pointed to the serpent and said, there's one coming. There's one coming that's going to bruise your head and you're going to, you're going to bruise his heel. And we know in Galatians 4, it said, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. You see, so here, what, what was the answer to the darkness, the hopelessness that Adam and Eve were? It was, it was light coming. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. That's right. Anyone that believes in me will not walk in darkness. He said, I am the light of anyone that believe will not walk in darkness. That means if we understand Jesus and we know Jesus, we will not walk in hopelessness. The very answer to any hopelessness that you ever deal with will always be Jesus. Jesus is not just some good man. He's, he's not just, wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just a good prophet. All right. He is the savior of the world and he took on our sin. He took on our failures. He took on our mistakes. He's the light of the world. Maybe Jesus expounded. There's over 353 prophecies in the Old Testament that talk about Jesus' coming. If he talked about all 353, he would have about 33 seconds to talk about each one of them. If he walked with them for two hours, an hour and 45 minutes. But instead that, he said he expounded on, on the books of Moses and all the prophets about himself. Maybe he talked about Isaiah chapter nine and it says, it says they sat, those that sat in darkness have seen a great light Uh and those that dwell in darkness, the light has dawned. And then a couple of verse later in verse six, it says for unto us, a child is born 
Unto us a son is given. What was the answer to those that sat in darkness? What was the great light? It was this child that was born and it was the son that was given. Light is always the answer to darkness. In John chapter one, verse one, it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. And it said in him was life. And that life was what? The light of men. And it's, then it talks about, and, and darkness has never overpowered it, for darkness can never overpower light. So you can have great darkness, but the smallest light can still overpower it. You can never take darkness and overpower light. It can never happen. You say, well, that was, sure was a great darkness. Well, it doesn't now matter how small the light is. It can't extinguish light. And that's what, and that's what, the, what God, Jesus was doing. They were, their mind were darkened. Because they no longer could see that it was an answer to where they were at. There was no longer a solution to to fix their problem. Mm -hmm. So darkness had consumed them. But what did Jesus? Jesus spoke the word and he is the word. John chapter 1 verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The only begotten of the father full of grace and truth. Meaning not lacking anything. That this is the light that we would need that would overpower any darkness. And I want you to know that hopelessness is darkness. Poverty is darkness. Sickness is darkness. Anger is darkness. Addiction is darkness. And light always overpowers darkness. Always overpowers darkness. Even, even Jesus' uncle, Zacharias. Mary's, Mary's father, uh, brother-in-law. They give birth to John the Baptist and Zacharias starts, starts singing a song and he starts prophesying about his son. And he gets down to part of it, how he'll make a way in, in the wilderness. And, and right after that, he talks about the day spring on high has visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and to guide our feet into a way of peace. So Zacharias was even prophesying, hey, he's here. He's visited us. He has visited us. He's here. He's here. He has visited. He has visited us. He's here. There's only six months apart between them two. John the Baptist and Jesus. And he has visited us and he to give to do what? To give light to them that sit in darkness and to guide our feet into a way of peace. That's what Jesus is all about. Expelling darkness. Awake. Awake, gather your senses, gather your faculties and rise out of your ruin and expect something good to happen in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Jesus is the answer to darkness. He is the resurrection. When you understand the resurrection, you understand that he awakened so I could. He got up so I could get up. He believed God so I could believe God. He died for me so I didn't have to die for myself. See, there's a lot of people out there where they think that, well, the resurrection, it's, well, what what is this resurrection? It's what the gospel hangs on. It's not that just Jesus was a good man. It's not that Jesus even came. It's not even understanding that he was born of a virgin, but it's understanding that he was resurrected. The apostle Paul in first Corinthians chapter 15 expounds on this. And he, and he says, because it was a whole group of people that didn't believe in the resurrection. And Paul said, if the resurrection that didn't happen, we're, we're, we're men most miserable. Cause he's saying we go around and we talk about this Christ, but yet when we die, 
everything's just empty anyway. So he's saying, no, this resurrection had to happen because it, it, it said all men died in Adam. But yet it, it says through Jesus' resurrection, all men are made alive. Amen. Let's go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. First Peter chapter 1. Awaken to hope this morning. The resurrection of Jesus gives us the ability to awaken to hope. Verse 3 of 1 Peter chapter 1. It said, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy. Let's stop there for a moment. According to his abundant mercy. Wow. Abundant mercy. That, that, that needs to be something that we really understand. Abundant mercy. Overflowing mercy. According to his abundant mercy. See, mercy is, is, is God's unconditional love. It's his covenant love that he has for you because you're just you. What do I mean by that? It's this love and it's this mercy that he has for you way beyond anything that you ever do and anything that you ever say. Mercy is given to you not because you not because you earned it and it's not because you deserved it. So he says this mercy. Mercy is his unmerited love in my life for me not to receive what I really deserve. That's right. And he's saying it's because of this abundant mercy. He begot us. He gave birth to us unto a lively hope by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, it's because of this abundant mercy that he gave birth. It's because of this mercy that he received us, Rick. It's because of this abundant mercy, Stuart, that he received us and gave us access to this ever-living hope that came through the resurrection. This ever-living hope. It's a hope that doesn't have an end to it. And because of this resurrection, I have the ability to access this hope. No matter what I'm going through, no matter what I've done, no matter where I might be in my life right now, I have access to this ever-living hope. This hope that is alive. This hope that's working on my behalf. This hope that is, that is, that is present in my life. That Hebrew talk, Hebrews 6 verse 19 talks about and says, this hope, it says it's an anchor to our soul. This hope, it's an anchor to our soul. Now I said this in the first service today about this whole aspect of an anchor and what an anchor does. You know, I grew up on the Chesapeake Bay, grew up on the water in Maryland and off, the, off of the, the Atlantic Ocean and would go off, out in boats oftentimes. And there's times that we would drop an anchor. But also knew when we dropped an anchor, that didn't keep us from experiencing whatever the water was doing. You know, I, I mean, no matter how big a boat I've been in or small a boat in, I, I was still naturally experiencing the waves of whatever the environment was in. But you know what? I knew I wasn't going anywhere. Why? Because I had an anchor down. We had an anchor. Yeah, we might be, we might be experiencing some swells. You know what? But I'm not leaving there because our anchor is heavy enough to keep me from moving where this, from this spot. 
And it's the same thing in our life and understanding this resurrection is about us receiving an ever living hope. Is knowing that whatever storm you might be going through, when you understand his resurrection and you gain this hope, it will not move you. You'll not be moved in difficult times when you understand his resurrection. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. His resurrection, this ever living hope, this ever abiding hope. What is this hope again? It's an expectation that something good is going to happen to you. Jesus is the light of the world and he expels all darkness. Jesus was the answer to the sin problem. He was the answer to, he's the answer to the God of this world problem. He's the answer. Awake to the answer this morning. Awake to the answer in every part of your life. Awake to the answer. My favorite scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans of peace and not evil to give you hope in your final outcome. In your final outcome. I mean, understand me this morning. God loves you extremely. God gave up. God gave his word and put all of heaven on the line. You got to understand when he sent Jesus, it wasn't like, uh, okay, let's see what happens. If Jesus did not fulfill what he was supposed to do, everything would have been lost. Everything. That's because God put everything on the line for you and for me. All because he wanted a relationship with us. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. The thoughts and plans. God has extremely good thoughts about you. Extremely good thoughts about you. And don't measure your thoughts about yourself and act as if they're God's thoughts. What do I mean by that? A lot of times we shape our emotions, we shape our life based on how we think about ourselves. But when you know God's thoughts about you, it will change everything you do, every, how you act. It will change how you walk. It will change how you talk. It will change how you treat others around you when you understand God has thoughts about you and their thoughts of good, thoughts of good and not evil, not evil. If you have, if you have evil thoughts about yourself, they're not from God. If you put yourself down and you belittle yourself and you have a bad self-image, that's not God. That's the enemy putting you down because God has thoughts of good about you. He has good thoughts about you. Thoughts of hope. Hallelujah. Thoughts of peace and not evil to give you hope in your final outcome. Awaken to hope this morning. Awaken to hope this morning. Remember that word awaken to gather your faculties, your senses. And rise out of your ruin and expect something good. That's what the resurrection is all about. It's causing us to gather our faculties and rise and expect something good. That's my encouragement to you this morning. Wherever you might be in your life today is rise out of it. Rise up. Collect everything. And you know what? And go on with hope. Go on with hope. You'll make it through with hope. So I was thinking about this this morning. I, I thought of the story of in John chapter five, when Jesus was talking to the 
the man at the pool of Bethesda. And I, and I think about this and, and think about the scenario that this man we know of was there for 38 years. 38 years. Man, I, I'm, I'm going to be 44 this year. And I can't imagine laying at a gate or out of this pool for 38 years. Just, just put yourself in this person's position for a moment. 38 years every day he's brought to this place. And the thing is, Jesus, he grew up in the temple. He grew up as, as a child. You know, Mary and Joseph, you know, you know, they left their son one time and went and, and left him in the city. And they had to come back and find him. And Jesus said, well, didn't you know where I'd be? In my father's house? About my father's business? So we know every year during the Passover and the Pentecost, all those things, Jesus is coming back there. So for 38 years, this man laid there. How many times did Jesus see this man? And I think Jesus walked in that day and was like, I've seen you before. <laughs> you, you were here when, you know, my whole life, Jesus was only 33 at the time. So all of Jesus' life, every year he's seeing this man. But yet when Jesus gets to him, you know, Jesus says, do you want to be made whole? And the man was like, he goes, well, I have, I have no one. I have no man. See, and a lot of times in our own lives, we just make it personal, right? A lot of times we can look at our lives and, and place excuses on maybe ourselves, or excuses on what we don't have, excuses on what other people have done to us, excuses of, of this, that, or the other. And this man was allowing his hopelessness to control his future. Yeah, that's right. And hearing Jesus was like, no, he goes, he goes, no, do you, do you want to be made whole? And the man just had a hard time getting past the whole point of, of do he couldn't even think about whole. He couldn't even think about different because all he could see was this is me for 38 years. This is me for 38 years. And look, I, I'm, I'm human just like you. And there's things in my life where, where I would try to measure my life based on, based on myself instead of based on God's word. And I'd say, well, I, I couldn't do that because you know, I can't speak. You know what? If I went by what I felt like in the natural, I wouldn't be up here today. I couldn't even, I couldn't talk in front of anybody. I couldn't even, I was dyslexic. I had a hard time reading. And God's want me to preach in front of people? I had a poor self-esteem of myself. So if I went base when God said, said, Justin, I want you to prepare yourself to pa- a pastor. And I was like, I don't want a pastor. That's what I told him straight up for almost two years. And so if, I, if, I, if you go by how you really feel about things, you'll never experience the life-giving walk, so to speak, that God has for us. Amen. And see, that man at the pool was the same way. He's like, I've been here for 38 years and I have no one. But Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, I want to be made whole. I, Annette had me listen to a message once by Joyce Myers. And, and, and he was like, just, just, you know, if I'd been sick that long, for th- I would have tried to wiggle close. I would just try to wiggle to get to the pool. I mean, wiggle something. Move your finger. I'm getting closer each day. But think about Jesus said, what did he say? He says, pick up your bed. He didn't say anything else to him. He just said, pick up your bed and walk. 
And I saw that pick up your bed and that word awaken. And if you look at it in the Greek, it gives you a figure of what it looks like. And it means to gather your faculties, gather your senses, gather yourself, pick yourself up out of ruin and go forward. That's what the word awaken means. And here Jesus is telling this man, just gather, gather yourself, stop, gather your senses, meaning put your senses in check, put your mind, your will, your emotions, your feelings, your hurts, put it in check, gather them, align them where they need to be aligned, rise up out of your ruin and press forward. So the man picked up his bed and he walked. He had to awaken to hope. And I could, I could show you countless stories throughout scriptures where this principle is takes, we have, we have an involvement in our success in life. We have, we have something to do about it. See, that man could have just laid there. No, I'm not going to do it. No, I'm not going to do it. This man had a part to play in his victory and he had a part to play in his future. Cause some people sit back. Oh, if Jesus wants to do it. Jesus will do it. It starts with your decision. It starts with our decision. Awaken to hope this morning because that's what the resurrection is all about. Awakening to hope, awakening to his plan, awakening to his purpose, awakening to his heart that he has for you. Even if you just have to start there, just awaken to how much he loves you. Even if you had to take the next seven days and take 10 minutes each day and just get up and find one scripture about his love for you and just think about it, it will change your whole perspective in life. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. John chapter 12, verse 46 says this. It talks about it. He says, I am the light of the world. And he that abides in me shall not walk and shall not abide in darkness. He who walks, I am the light of the world and he who walks with me shall not abide in darkness. Meaning if I'm walking with Jesus, I'm not going to be living in a hopeless state. If I'm walking with Jesus, begin a walk with him today. Well, what does that look like, Pastor? I don't know what it looks like for you. For me, I got born again in my sister's living room. Some of you heard my story. Got healed of a, of a lung disorder. I know there was something in me that changed. There was just a work being done in here. You know, and it was kind of, you know, the, back in, in Luke chapter 24, and I'll bring this out of that story, is when Jesus finished explaining things to them and, and they realized who he was and their eyes were opened, they made this statement. He said, didn't our heart burn within us? What does that word burn means? To kindle and it means to inspire. The word inspire means to breathe, breathe upon. So when Jesus was talking to them, there was all of a sudden there was something going on the inside of them. They're like, this man's talking to us. And so much so as they get to their place, it said Jesus kind of kept walking as if he was going to keep going. But then all of a sudden they said, no, 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 stay with us, stay with us. And as they started staying, they, they went to their house, they had dinner. And it said when they, when he broke the bread, it said their eyes were opened. All, what does that mean? They believed. They believed. They were like, wait a minute. Hold on. The enemy couldn't bind them anymore. Why? Because now their hope was a reality. Amen. And it said, didn't our hearts burn within us? And so something is going on in your heart this morning. And there's something down on the inside of you that's like, 
yeah, I hear, I hear you, Pastor. I, yes, I want this. This, this, this is something that, that I want in my life. This is something that I need. And, and, and you may have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or you could have been walking with God for 50 years. It doesn't matter. God's not done with you yet. And if something, if something's stirring on the inside of you, you know what that, that's this is what the disciples were feeling. Something, our hearts burn within us, meaning something kindled. What is that? That's hope building. No, you start a fire with, with one spark, one spark, but that one spark still dispels all darkness and they kindled something on the inside of their hearts that all of a sudden propelled them to run back to the disciples Run back and tell them what they had experienced. And they heard about Peter. And Peter said, yeah, yeah, this, this, this is real. Yes, this is real. And while all of them are together talking about their stories, Jesus shows up in the midst of them. And it says their eyes were open and they believed. And so there he breathed on them the breath of life. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And he said, go to Jerusalem until you be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Go there until you get filled because I've called you to do something great and you need the fullness of who I am on the inside of you. Whatever it is this morning and wherever you're at in your life, allow him to start a spark in you. Start a walk with with him. Like I said, mine, I didn't get saved in a church, but all of a sudden I kept going back. I kept going back. You know, my pastor later, I went to that church for seven years and he said, yeah, you hang around a slippery creek bank long enough, you sleep, you slip in. <laughs> and that's what he said about me is just, I kept going because I was, I was like, I want to know more. I want to know more. So I want to encourage you. If you want to grow in this and, and understand all that God is and understand why you were created, whether it's this church or another church, uh, this isn't a plea to get you to be a part of this church, but I, I want to encourage you, put yourself in a position to be challenged Put yourself in a position to be changed by his word because it was Jesus and what he spoke to them that caused their hearts to be open, their eyes to be open and their hearts to burn with something and burn with that hope of the gospel. You received this this morning. Oh, thank you. Father. Hallelujah. Thank you. Father. Thank you. Everyone stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, it's not about the words that I may have spoken this morning, but I, I, I believe, Father, that, just, that you, through that in your Holy Spirit, those things working together, thank you that it awakens our hearts to greater things. It awakens our heart to more of what you have for us. And Father, our desire is to walk in the light as you are in the light. Our desire is to have light surrounding us, Father, that we would not walk in darkness, but we would have that light. If you're here this morning, just everyone bow your heads for a moment. If you're here this morning and you're like, Pastor, there's just... I feel like I, I, I've, like the disciples, there's been this darkness that, uh, that's been around my life. I've, I've, I've heard about Jesus. I maybe grew up in church or maybe you didn't know anything about Jesus at all, but there's something real 
that I've heard this morning. And it's something that's bear witness with our heart. And, you know, just as Romans says, you know, it's when our spirit bears witness with his spirit that we're children of God. And, and that's how I knew something was different besides a religion. It was when I started hearing truth that all of a sudden it was like, I need that. I want that. And it made me hungry for more. That's when that's going on the inside of you. That's you're hearing the, the word of God is working in you at that moment. And if that's you today, whether you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life or you want to come back to Jesus, you want to make a decision for him. or You're like, pastor, I just, I just, I just want to walk in a greater level of hope. Just slip your hand up right where you are. Just slip your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. See those hands. Father, I just thank you for ministering grace and peace to everyone that's raising their hands. Thank you for your hand upon every single person. Thank you for the peace of God that passes all understanding, Lord, to surround about this congregation, that we're all walking this journey together and we're all awakening to the the plans and purposes that you have for us, that all of us as one accord, Father, that we choose to gather ourselves and stand up, Father, out of ruin, out of distress, out of our failures, out of mistakes, and we put those things behind us from this day forward. Everyone just repeat this after me. Father God, I bring my life to you this morning. All my mistakes, all my mess ups, all my insecurities and fears. I bring it to you. I lay it at the foot of the cross and I receive your forgiveness. I receive your life giving presence that brings peace and joy. I thank you, Father, that you that began a good work in me. We'll complete it in Jesus' name. Amen. Give him a shout of praise if you believe that. Thank you for your faithfulness.